0: This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode number 73, entitled, What Does Son of God Mean in John's Gospel? Part 10 of 10. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith. As always, I am your host. If you are a regular listener, thank you so much for listening, and welcome back. But if this is your first time to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, I want to say, welcome. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes so that you will not miss out on the future episodes. We are now in our final episode, exploring what the title, Son of God, means in the Gospel of John we've explored the passages in the fourth gospel where son of god appears in order to understand more fully how the title functioned both christologically and in relationship to god does the title son of god presuppose a trinitarian understanding of jesus or is it more consistent with a high human christological paradigm after looking at our present passage John chapter 19 I will offer some reflections on the title's usage as we have observed in all four gospels since our current series has now covered Matthew Mark Luke and John's depiction of son of god today's passage will look at the trial of Jesus with pilate and the jews in John chapter 19 will Jesus be executed for claiming to be a divine figure from heaven Let's find out in today's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Let's begin by reading our passage from John chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps on the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out, so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out, wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold, the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. For I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law. And by that law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be the son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard the statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me, Do you not know that I have authority to release you, and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of the preparation for the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. That's John chapter 19, verses 1 through 14. So based on this chapter, we can organize the meaning of Son of God into basically two discernible summaries. Let's check them out in detail. Our first point today is that the Son of God is a royal title for the Jewish king. Although this was widely recognized in the Jewish world before the writing of this chapter, Son of God was understood messianically to refer to the king of the Jews. The synonymity of these two titles is quite apparent in this narrative, and it appears that Pilate, the Jews, and the author of the fourth gospel each agreed on this point. In John 19, verse 3, the Roman soldiers mock Jesus with the words, Hail, King of the Jews! When Pilate brings Jesus out dressed in the mock-up garb of a king, the Jews state that he ought to die because, quote, he made himself out to be the Son of God, quote, John 19, verse 7. As the back and forth between the Jews and Pilate continues, the Jews corner Pilate by saying that anyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar, John 19, verse 12. So we can see in verses 7 and 12 that... According to the Jews, Jesus made himself out to be son of God and a king. Both of these phrases, son of God and king, are stated synonymously to demonstrate that son of God was a title referring to the royal Jewish king. Before looking closely at the accusation put forth by the Jews, I want to remind our listeners where the Jewish precedent came from equating Son of God with the Jewish Messianic King within the Hebrew Bible. There are two significant passages of note, Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7. We'll look at Psalm 2 first. In Psalm 2, verses 6-7, through the psalmist says, But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of Yahweh... He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. That's Psalm 2, verses 6 through 7, to where the Son of God, the Son of Yahweh, is called the King. And in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 14, God speaks to King David through the prophet Nathan, saying, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. That's Second Samuel 7, verses 12 through 14, to where God will be the father of this coming king, and this king will be the son of God, the son of the father. There again, Son of God is likened unto the king, the royal messianic figure that is of the line of David. Not only were these passages drawn upon in order to equate the Jewish king with the title Son of God, they were understood messianically. In other words, to claim to be the king of the Jews was not claiming to be God or to be Yahweh himself, as the Jewish king was the promised messianic son of God the Father, the Son of God who descended from King David's family line. But what are we to make of the accusation of the Jews? In both John 19, verse 7 and 19, verse 12, the Jews stated that Jesus, quote, made himself out, end quote, to be the king and to be the Son of God. Note carefully that it was not blasphemous to claim to be the Son of God if one actually was the promised king. The Jews took issue with Jesus making himself out to be this role under the assumption that Jesus was not actually the Messianic Son of God but was only illegitimately claiming this role for himself. Yes, Jesus did tell the Jews in John 10:36, that he was the Son of God. But was this an illegitimate claim? From the perspective of the Gospel of John, others had authoritatively regarded Jesus as the Son of God from very early on in the narrative. John the Baptist, in John chapter 1, verse 34, who, by the way, was a prophet commissioned by God and spoke on God's behalf, claimed that Jesus was the Son of God because God's Spirit rested upon Jesus at his baptism. Again, that's in John 1.34. The Father, speaking through the prophet John the Baptist, declared authoritatively that the baptized Jesus is the Son of God. At Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit rested upon Jesus, and this event functioned as his anointing service for the Messianic vocation, while also empowering Jesus with God's power and prerogatives. So is it true, as the Jews accused Jesus, that he made himself out to be the Son of God in an illegitimate way? The answer to that question has to be a resounding no. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God by the Father, who spoke through the prophet John the Baptist, who anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, and who empowered Jesus with the divine prerogatives. It has been clear that many of the Jews throughout the Gospel of John regarded Jesus as a false prophet, a false messiah, a messianic pretender, who, by the way, wrongfully claimed to do the deeds of God and speak the words of God. But the reader of the Gospel of John knows better. For Jesus to claim to be the Son of God, this would have been heard as a claim to be Israel's Messiah, the Jewish king in and through whom God's rule would be realized. But it was not, I say again, it was not a title for divinity, nor was it a title for claiming to be Yahweh himself. Son of God was not a title for even a preexistent figure from heaven. Son of God referred to the Jewish messianic king. Our second point today is that the Son of God is a human being. The parallel lines of Jesus making himself out to be Son of God and making himself out to be a king are not the only parallel lines in this passage. In John 19, verse 5, Pilate presents Jesus in public to the Jews and states, Behold the man. Later, Pilate again presents Jesus to the Jews in John 19, verse 14, saying, Behold your king. Surely these two lines, behold the man and behold your king, were meant to overlap in meaning. Of course, The claim that Jesus was a human being was not controversial, nor was it disputed in the Gospel of John. Pilate believed that Jesus was a human being, as we saw there in 19, verse 5, and an innocent human being at that. Even the Jews in the Gospel of John called Jesus a human being in John 5, verse 12, and 10, 33. And even Jesus himself, admitted plainly that he was a human being. John eight verse forty. There are multiple persons, both friends of Jesus and opponents of Jesus, that outright claim that Jesus is a human being, a man, a member of the human race. John the Baptist calls Jesus a human being in John one thirty. The Samaritan woman also calls Jesus a human being in John four twenty nine. The Jewish officers perhaps members of the sanhedrin called jesus a human being in 746 nicodemus calls jesus a man a human being in john 751 the blind man whom jesus healed called jesus a human being in john 9 verse 11 the pharisees respond to the blind man by also calling jesus a human being in 916 the chief priests together with the pharisees called Jesus a human being in John 11:47. 47. Caiaphas, the high priest, called Jesus a human being twice in 11, verse 50, and John 18, 14. And of course, Pilate calls Jesus a human being in our present passage, 19, verse 5, and earlier in chapter 18, verse 29. By my count, that is 14 times Jesus is called a human being in the Gospel of John, using the nouns anthropos or the more gender-specific anir. Listeners would also be interested to know that the Gospel of John calls Jesus a human being more than the first three Gospels combined. In other words, it is more of an emphasis in the Gospel of John to stress and emphasize that Jesus is an authentic member of the human race, than perhaps it was in matthew mark and luke of course the gospel of john makes no qualifications of jesus as a human being with possible suggestions that this was only a human nature that was paired with some divine nature no such statement is offered in the gospel of john neither was it offered in matthew mark or luke the son of god is a fully fledged human being who suffers and dies on the cross completely, without any hint otherwise. Of course, being a human being is what Jews naturally would have expected for the royal son of God, the anointed king, who was to physically descend from King David's royal line. The son of David could not, by definition, be a heavenly angel, nor could the son of David be Yahweh himself. The son of David had to be a lineal human descendant from David's line, and that required a human being to fulfill that role. So when the fourth gospel portrays Pilate as presenting Jesus with the parallel statements, Behold your king and behold the man, this is the natural interpretation that readers are to walk away with. So, in conclusion, we have observed that John chapter 19 affirms the findings we have discovered throughout our ongoing survey of what the title Son of God means in the Gospel of John. First, we observe that Son of God was a title for the Messianic Jewish King, the King of the Jews. This was a crucial theological point established in the Hebrew Bible in passages like Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7. The Jews regarded Jesus as a messianic pretender who illegitimately claimed to be Son of God. But God the Father has already authoritatively declared that Jesus was indeed the royal Son of God from the beginning of the narrative. Back in John chapter 1. Second, the Son of God was to be a human being, a real man. This was a point admitted by many people in the narrative of the Gospel of John, both friends of Jesus and by opponents of Jesus. Even Jesus himself said plainly that he was a human being, a member of the human race. The humanity of Jesus is never once qualified with a statement about Jesus also being divine, or having a divine nature along with a human nature. Instead, Jesus is depicted as the human Messiah, the Son of God. It should come as no surprise that the summary statement of the Gospel of John says much of the same thing in John 20 and verse 31, which says, But these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name." Quote. The purpose of the fourth gospel, as we see in John 20:31, was to encourage belief and faithfulness in Jesus as the Christ, as the Son of God. Despite popular readings that read into the gospel of John, post-biblical teachings about a tri-personal God and a son of God who literally pre-existed his birth in heaven, the fourth gospel repeatedly states that Jesus was a human being, highly empowered by the only true God as the anointed king, the son of God. This is what it means to be son of God in the fourth gospel. And that was the same impression we observed when studying Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The Gospel of John fits best into a high human Christology, rather than a Trinitarian model. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and family if you think it might speak truth unto them. And if you enjoy the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, please consider supporting us with a small donation. You can check out our episode's description for a PayPal link, and the link is also posted in the attached Google document. Thank you so much again for joining us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Again, my name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.